0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a weekly travel podcast, where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman, with Halloween just around the corner. We've got a spooky theme for you this week. We'll make a stop at the Queen Mary Hotel in a few minutes and learn about the many ghost stories there. We'll also visit what is known as the most haunted small town in America. It's Alton, Illinois, and we'll find out why they got that name. But right now, I want to start with all this fascination with visiting those haunted and ghostly sites. It's known as dark tourism, and to explain it further is Alex Grebner. He's the Associate Lecturer at the University of Central Lancashire in the UK, and he's an expert in dark tourism. Thanks for doing this, Alex, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Randy. Uh, Let's start with a definition. Uh, What is dark tourism?
1: Well, dark tourism might sound like quite a recent invention, but it's actually a practice which goes back certainly hundreds, but perhaps even thousands of years. And it's the act of visiting sites which are associated with... Subjects like death, disasters, atrocities and suffering. Uh, we're not dealing with in ghosts or the supernatural here. Dark tourism is the act of encountering real events and real death and suffering. So some sites may be memorials which are simply associated with those kinds of events, whereas others are sites at which those dark events actually took place. And Across the world there's a huge variety of sites of dark tourism, as it's now a a well-established and recognized industry. Mm. And the sites may deal in sort of historic interest. They may be there for political reasons. They may be there for entertainment purposes, but certainly in the most part, we're, we're generally dealing with some form of commemoration.
0: So what is the attraction? I guess this is where you get into your studies, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is, um, and that's a very good question to to consider what the attraction is, and there, there's many competing theories as as to why people uh, engage with with these sites, which many of which are, are dealing with really horrific and deeply unpleasant issues, um, you know, and of course there's, there's not going to be one absolute theory as to why people do. But for example, um, some people do dismiss dark tourism as as simply voyeurism, that that we like to be scared and we like to see gory things just as the same as we like to go and watch horror movies. Um, However, others see dark tourism as a much more profound attempt um, to pay respects to victims and to learn about them, the atrocities, so they might not be denied or repeated again. Um, I I bring you back to the example of the Rwandan genocide. That's certainly something that, that the Rwandan people wanted to do to avoid it being denied or repeated. Um, personally I see dark tourism as something a little bit between the two um, of those two theories really um, whilst we do like to engage with the, with outrageous and dark events we also need to be able to to comprehend the, the extremes of human behaviour um, you know um, the reality is that these dark subjects are part of our human history and we need to be able to express grief but at the same time understand how people can do that mm-hmm. and we like to sort of push death. Certainly, in a Western, uh, in Western society, we like to sort of remove death from daily life. We don't like to think about it too much or talk about it too much. So, I think it's really important that we have these sites where we can go contemplate our own mortality, um, and then we can return to our normal lives knowing that we that we've dealt with that elsewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there is some controversy uh, with uh, the exploitative nature that some people say. What do you what, what do you think about that?
1: Oh, well, without doubt, anything that, that involves death will, will always provoke um, huge debate as to, as to what's appropriate um, for each given site. So, for example, the, the question of who's going to benefit, you know, when we talk about tourism, we often talk about its economic um, benefits to, a, to an area. So who's going to benefit from that? You know, is it going to be the survivors or relatives of, of those affected by the events in question? Is it going to be people of the local area? Or perhaps uh, is it going to be charities um, then, and there's also the, the, the question of what perspective um, this site takes. You know, the reality is that many of the dark subjects are immensely complex, mm-hmm. so certain aspects of the story may be ignored, you know, if they're inconvenient to, to some other discourse, or they might even be denied. So it's undoubtedly an ethical minefield. And um, in many countries, the idea of paying money um, at a site of dark tourism is, is promoted problematic. Mm -hmm. And you use the word um, exploitative there, I think. And yeah, there's the question of, are you exploiting the dead? Um, that's certainly a very Western idea, because in other countries, um, non-Western countries, the idea of paying, you know, if you like, a custodian to look after a, a site, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. Um, and it's always going to depend on the site itself. And, and so site managers um, have to create that fine balance between um, engaging visitors who want to, to visit, for, for whatever reason that is, and the issue of sensitivity.
0: Well, it is a fascinating topic. Uh, it is dark tourism. And Alex Grevener is the Associate Lecturer at the University of Central Lancashire in the UK and an expert in dark tourism. Thank you for, and I'm an, uh, using a play on words here, shedding some light on the subject, Alex. You're
1: very, you're very welcome. I'm delighted to talk to you, Randy.
0: We are focusing on spooky ghost stories and the places to visit to find them in our podcast this week. And one place that pops up in nearly every top 10 list for haunted hotels is the Queen Mary Hotel in Long Beach, California. So joining us now to tell us some spooky tales of the Queen Mary is Commodore Everett Horde. The website is QueenMary.com. Hello, Commodore.
2: Hi there, Randy. Thank you for having me along.
0: Well, thanks for doing this uh, before we get into the spooky stories and some of the tours on the Queen Mary. Give me a bit of a history lesson on how the Queen Mary, the ship, became Queen Mary, the hotel.
2: Well, you know, Randy, after 31 years, from 1936 until 1967, uh, in war and peace and fair weather and foul, um, the Queen Mary, at the end of her sea-going life, was auctioned off to the highest bidder. And that just so happened to be the city of Long Beach, California. There were about 15 serious bidders uh, that bid for the ship. Um, One of the bids was from the city of New York, who wanted to use the Queen Mary as a high school dorm on the Hudson. Another one came from the city of Philadelphia, who wanted to use the ship on the Delaware as a hotel. My favorite probably is the Reverend Billy Graham wanted to use it as a sailing Bible college. (laughs) But uh, It was the city of Long Beach that won the bid at about $3.45 million dollars. And on Halloween Day, 1967, the Queen Mary left England forever.
0: Wow, isn't that appropriate, hey?
2: It really (laughs) is, isn't it? And she would embark on a 39-day, 14,500-mile voyage, finally arriving in California on the 9th of December, 1967.
0: Well, that's great. The website is QueenMary.com. I am looking on there. There is a wealth of information on there. You have a number of tours and exhibits, and this being sort of a Halloween theme. I want to begin with your haunted tours. Let's start there, and, and tell me how, uh, how spooky some of these tours can be.
2: Well, we have a Haunted Encounters tour that we do daily, And that's pretty interesting, and so we take you around to some of the the more well-known spots in the ship where we know that incidents have taken place, um, such as uh, the swimming pool. We don't actually go in there anymore, but we take you right outside. And one of the most haunted areas in the entire ship are the dressing boxes to the pool. they are these little tiny dressing rooms, about 12 of them or so, um, that go down a hallway at the after end of the pool. And, according to paranormal investigators randy that 's supposed to be a vortex into an alternate universe. Um, I can tell you that uh, a good friend of mine who uh, worked for e television came down with one of his cameras in two thousand and eleven and we did a walk through of that area and As we were walking through, he was leading us and he had a sort of a grunt and said, "I think I need to go check my blood sugar." i said, "Well, go ahead." And uh, he called me a a little while later and said, you have to come and see this. And the iris of his camera captured a tall man that walked out of a bulkhead or wall, turned toward us. And as the man gets close to us, you hear my friend grunt. The camera goes black, and then for a split second, it goes light again. So this fellow walked right through us. Yikes. (laughs) But, you know, if you think about the Queen Mary being now 82 years old, 2.1 million passengers sailed in it in peacetime, 810,000 soldiers during World War II. So uh, a lot of people have passed through that ship in those years. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in 1966, one of the more famous haunts, I think, uh, gained a notorious beginning, and that is when a young engineer who had only been in the Queen Mary for three voyages, And on the 10th of July, he was found at watertight door number 13 Uh, by the next watch at about 4 o'clock in the morning with his arms crossed, pinned in the door. And uh, the door weighs about a ton and a half, so he wasn't dead, but he died shortly after, but he wasn't conscious and never regained consciousness. And, And people have seen him in Shaft Alley, haunting that area. And, you know... I don't know that I believe every one story that they tell, but there are a couple of people that were pretty reputable mm-hmm. and that had uh, seen his, his ghost, uh, a young man with a beard and a, and a white boiler suit working in that area. And then there, of course, are the, uh, the paranormal activities that happen to all of us that work there on a daily basis. And I've been hanging around the Queen Mary about 37 years, so you know, uh, when I first started there, a security guard told me that the ship was haunted, and well, I didn't believe in it, and I, you know, I said, "Yeah, right," uh-huh. um, and nothing happened. But nothing happened for four or five years. But things did begin to happen, and uh, my first my first event was around 1985 or so. I was giving a VIP tour in the boiler rooms, and we were right up close to the bow of the ship, very, very last watertight bulkhead before the bow. And I was speaking them just like I am you, and we began to hear breathing from the other side of the watertight bulkhead, and it became plainly audible. And I began to feel the breath coming down the back of my neck, <laughs> and it's pretty unnerving if you've never had anything like that happen to you before. No kidding. Um, uh, we we quit the area at high speed and sat on a, a deck chair upstairs, wondering what just happened. But now it's so common. Until I really pay little attention to it, <laughs> um, one of the things that happens most to me is that a lot of times they'll tap you or they'll nudge you. Um, people commonly comment uh, staying in the hotel that 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 they felt somebody touch them or they heard a breath behind them and even on uh, what occasion on I was around the same weekend that my friend captured the the ghost on camera, uh, my wife and I spent three nights. In cabin M zero zero one, it was actually the celebration for the seventy fifth anniversary. And on that morning of the thirty first of May, my wife gets up there early and goes out to get coffee. And while she was gone, my bed shook momentarily, and I thought, "Well, we're having an earthquake." Because even though the Queen mary's afloat, she mm-hmm. will tremble in an earthquake. And uh, of course, as soon as I I look up, nothing in the room is swinging or swaying, which is characteristic of an earthquake. And I began to, to think that something unusual might have occurred and I, I laid back down and as soon as my head hit the pillow I heard a young lady's voice whisper into my ear, I'm so cold. Oh my gosh. I'm so <laughs> very cold.
0: <laughs> Jeez.
2: So I didn't need the coffee when my wife got back because I was wide awake.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Do people come to try to experience uh, these sort of things, Uh, and how do they react?
2: Well, um, I don't know of anyone that's, that's checked out out of fear, Randy, but I can tell you that the paranormal side of the Queen Mary, I think that the... The younger generation are most fascinated with because you know back in the eighties when I was first told that the Queen Mary was haunted, well, I didn't know what to think about that mm-hmm. really because there was no there was no um, fascination with it. But people are fascinated with that sort of thing today, and I think that the more people think about it, and the more gadgets we come up with to try to. To find out the unknown with our apps on our phones and all sorts of electronic equipment um, that, and of course movies being made about, you know the paranormal activity in places. There's a real mm-hmm. fascination for it, so it's a it's actually a great earner for the Queen mm-hmm. Mary these days.
0: Uh, you don't have to spend a night to do the tours, do you?
2: No, no, no. As you can check in and do any of the tours uh, in the daytime. There's one paranormal investigation that starts around midnight on the weekends, done by a fellow named Matt Schultz. And uh, he's really, really in-depth with it. He, he's actually a psychic, and, and he comes on, on board, and he doesn't take very many people at a time, maybe 20 at a time. And they spend three hours crawling around into the darkest depths wow. of the bowels of the Queen Mary. And, uh, and I understand that there have been some very interesting and hair-raising events with him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no doubt. And so- then we
2: finally, we've had this one cabin. We, it's B-340. Now, the cabins in the Queen Mary have been renumbered since the ship came to California, but this particular cabin has a real haunted pedigree. And for about 25 years, we stopped renting it strange occurrences uh, started happening in that room. The lights would flicker on and off. The toilet would flush by itself. The bathtub would start and stop. Um, And finally, somewhere around, I don't know, the late 80s, a housekeeper went in to make the cabin up. And she had vacuumed and made the bed. And she walked just right outside the door to her maid's car to get the towels to go in, in the bathroom. And when she went back in, both beds had been stripped of everything on them and wadded up at the foot of the bed, oh
0: my gosh,
2: and so at that point, she refused to clean the cabin anymore, so we turned it into an office and then no one wanted to have their office in there, so <laughs> it lay vacant for years so about seven, eight months ago, uh, the managing director of the queen Mary thought well with with all of the hype about paranormal activity, why don't we refurbish it and we 'll sell it as our most haunted cabin. <laughs> It has been
0: booked solid since. I, I can only imagine. So many spooky stories and so many uh, tours and fun things to experience uh, on board the uh, Queen Mary. The website is QueenMary.com. My goodness, we could we could talk for hours probably, uh, Commodore, but uh, time is our enemy here. We'll probably have to have you uh, back on for an update. But Commodore Everett Horde is with the Queen Mary Hotel. Again, you can find all those tours and, uh, and the fun things to do on board the Queen Mary at Queen Mary. I appreciate your time, Commodore.
2: Thank you very much, Randy. I
0: appreciate yours. So our Halloween theme continues now as we head to what is dubbed as the most haunted small town in America. It's Alton, Illinois, and here to help explain why Alton is known as the most haunted small town in America is Brett Stawar. He's the president and CEO of Great Rivers and Routes Tourism Bureau. The website is riversandroutes.com. Hi, Brett. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I guess this must be pretty exciting this time of year in the Alton area. Uh, Give me an idea to start, uh, where it is. Sure. Uh, Alton's just outside of St. Louis, but we are a river community
3: on the Mississippi, St. Louis, Missouri. So Alton is in Illinois, and we are on the Mississippi River. We're on the banks of actually three great rivers that come together here, the Missouri River, the Mississippi River, and the Illinois River, all joined together right here in Alton.
0: And Alton is known as America's most haunted small town. That is uh, quite a title. Uh, I would imagine it must have quite a history. So, give us some background on how you got to be America's most haunted small town.
3: Sure. Yeah, well, that's a name that we uh, carry with pride down here, and a lot of it does go back to the to the history. You know, and going back to those rivers that I just mentioned. You know, the Illinois, Mississippi, Missouri. It's actually the third largest watershed in the world, where all the waters come together. And we have a lot of history based on that from um, Native American civilizations to modern day civilizations to to early Americana and some of the things that happened in our past uh, that maybe we aren't so proud of that um, caused a lot of um, demise and troubling times for us. So we have actually a a lot of uh, tragic events that have happened in Alton through the years that have been, according to our paranormal experts, have actually been kind of frozen in time or captured. The psychic residue of those tragic events are trapped because we are built on limestone. Hmm. The town has a lot of uh, limestone foundation. It kind of keeps those eerie spirits around uh, longer, and maybe
0: they want to be. (laughs) So tell me what a typical haunted tour of Alton would include. We have so many tours. We've been doing haunted tours for 30
3: years. We were haunted before haunted, but so popular. We've got uh, a number. Actually, we have about five different haunted tour providers that operate really April through November. Uh, This is the busy time. So this is where, you know, every night of the week you see people out on walking tours, doing investigations. We see people going through cemeteries. We see people, you know, on buses. Uh, We see people really coming to explore um, a sense of the America's most haunted small town, you know? Uh, so we, we wrote the book haunted Alton, you know, and, and, and some of the, the paranormal experts um, that have come here in past, we've had sci-fi channel out here and the travel channel and all those, you know, network cable TV shows. Mm-hmm. That have been it through the year, these shock jocks on DJs from radio stations that want to come spend the night in, in the notorious McPike mansion and try to make it through. So, you know, every year it's, Something different, um, we also host the um america's ghost Writer, not ghost rider's ghost Hunters convention, I think mm-hmm. so, uh, we have that that goes on in the summertime, but right now you see people walking the streets, you know they'll do darkroom sessions trying to talk to the spirits, they'll do seances they'll do tarot card readings, they'll do um investigation you know that some of them there're really different types of tours you can go on if you want to go ghost hunting, that's one type of tour you can do you want to do more haunted history and learn about the tragic events of the past that have happened in these structures and these buildings that are still a part of the town and the fabric of Alton today, uh, that's another option. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the walking the grounds actually, um, you know, McPike Mansion does campouts where you can actually camp out <laughs> on the ground of the McPike Mansion and, uh, you know, do that. But everything from weddings in to McPike to campouts to, you know, settler tours, the uh, dark room of the underground wine cellar that, that's below the house that so many different options you know we've got it all here in alton and it's a um it's a wonderful time of year
0: well it sounds like it'd be a, a spooky uh, kind of adventure uh, you mentioned mcpike mansion uh, give me some background on that and and why it's the place to be kind of thing
3: sure um you know the land itself is actually built on the highest point of alton that was called uh, mount lookout park and there was a native american you know uh, place where they would go, and uh, not going to say there are mounds there necessarily, although mm-hmm. we have mounds all around us, uh, but it was a popular place um, for them to go out and, and view the watersheds and the really the bluff lines in the Mississippi River, um, but it was built in the 1800s, and the original owner was one of the first mayors of Alton, uh, Henry Guest McPike, and his family lived 15 acres and basically built this um, house, and a lot of... Um, Things have gone on there, uh, but people through the years dying in the house or having things happen to them in the house. Um, and it's, uh, done, it's actually the hauntings actually date back to to the times that Native American ghosts mm. residue from the underground railroad site, possibly, you know, all of those things kind of came into play right there. So the the tour itself you know the, the it, it looks creepy if you can think of anything like the you know the Edmunds family house or the Munster's house or anything like that, pretty much what it looks like huh. um, and it is actually condemned um, the house itself you know you don't get to go through the upper level or the lower level, but the tours of the cellar are still available and open to the public so you okay. can go down underneath and go into it's actually a wine cellar and when they turn the lights off and do the um do the dark room sessions? It is one of the most um, uh, eerie feelings. <laughs> the hair stands uh, up on the back of your uh, neck. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: kind of stuff. Time right? and again,
3: we'll, we'll bring you know VIPs and guests through it, and they're all just extremely freaked out by I mean Pike Mansion or, or intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Be, you know? So you're not going to get the kind of screaming and hollering, you know, and, and chainsaw massacre kind of stuff through <laughs> these experiences in Alton. You're going to get more of the the haunted history and some of the paranormal storylines. Um, of haunted America.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that must be a fun side too. What's Halloween like with uh, kids running around? I, mean, I, I imagine the whole town uh, gears up for that as well on the fun side of things too, right?
3: Absolutely. Alton's filled with a lot of great downtown shops and, and we've got artisans and crafters all around. You know, we've got farmer's markets that go through um, through October as well. So that time of year, fall festivals are abound everywhere from Oktoberfest like our Catholic churches to um, the um rendezvous and things of times past with um the native american celebrations Mm -hmm. and the riverfront the area really is rich in fall history um not alone from the haunted side and also you know we love our our traditions so the trick-or-treating is big with our retailers in the downtown area Mm -hmm. as well as alton has one of the longest running halloween parades probably in the nation it's been going on for 102 years so I'm pretty sure uh, we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> well, that'd be a lot of fun to too,
0: right? So
3: yeah, it's one of the biggest ones, and you know, over 100 floats and different things. So, um, but it's always on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. So if you want to uh, come down for Halloween night? You can
0: join us for that. That would be yeah, lots of fun. So you mentioned it's uh, near St. Louis. What's the easiest way to get to Alton if you're if you wanted to do a visit there for a couple of days?
3: If you're not within drive market, um, you know, you can fly right into St. Louis's Airport. That is just 25 minutes away from Alton. So uh, an easy easy rental car and drive over or Uber over. We have Mm -hmm. Uber. Um, You can also, of course, we're we're on the Great River Road. So if you follow that Great River Road from wherever you're coming, Alton is a must stop for you along the Great River Road. We're also, if you're a route, Route 66 enthusiast, we are um, at the intersection of the 66 and the Great River Road. So nice. You know, we've got a lot of things that come in here together. Um, we have lots of highways and interstates that connect us as well. But you know, pretty much if you can get to St. Louis, uh, we are we're right. You know, we're 25 minutes away from downtown. We're 25 minutes away from the airport, and you know, we're Perfect. probably four and a half hours away from
0: Chicago. Just yeah. So you know. Um, so what's your favorite attraction when it comes to Halloween and all these haunted stories and things? Do you have one that you like to to uh, venture in, and see all the time?
3: Well, yeah, I definitely love the Mineral Springs uh, experience, but what has happened new in the past two years is a um, haunted craft beer walk that I have enjoyed particularly <laughs> well. <laughs> so that would we be good. Craft, yeah, we have a wonderful craft brewer in town called Old Bakery Beer Company, and last year they started these craft beer walks, and, craft beer walks. So you can go hear the stories at these different places and taste a different type of beer and learn about beer and spirits all at the same time. So <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, you know, I don't know if they're um, Mineral Springs. Definitely. We go down in the pool there that used to be an old Mineral Spring pool at a hotel. And it's it is it is fun. McPike Mansion, though, always takes the crown. Uh, so those those two are really the, the tops of the top uh, mm-hmm. places to go, and are open all the time too. So those are the ones you can go to really any time that you come to visit without going on a tour as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to point that out too. You know, so the tours again April through November. You gotta if you go to our website, you can actually see all the options there. But outside of those times, if they don't happen to have one midweek when you're there, you know, you might definitely stop into Mineral Springs Mall. And then also McPike Mansion. They live next door, so you just knock on their door and go talk to them. And then there's another place called Melton Schoolhouse that's now been an um, adaptive reuse into a coffee shop. So it is actually another haunted spot as well.
0: Lots of haunted places. places, eh? Yeah, lots of places, uh, not only just at Halloween, but uh, every time of year. And that's why it's America's most haunted small town, Alton, Illinois. You can find more information on their website, riversandroots.com. And Brett Stawar is the president and CEO of Great Rivers and Roots Tourism Bureau. I appreciate your uh, time, uh, Brett, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you too. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveller.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or you can follow me on Twitter at
2: informedtraveler.